0: If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at TheOrganicView.com. Today's show is sponsored by Austria's Finest Naturally, Authentic Pumpkin Seeds and Pumpkin Seed Oil from the Styermark, available at OrganicUniverse.com. Listeners of The Organic View can receive $1 off their purchase by using the coupon code ORGVIEW. That's O-R-G-V-I-E-W. Also, don't forget to check out our contest section on our website to submit your information for our free monthly giveaways. For more information, please visit our website at www.theorganicview.com forward slash contests. It's always interesting to learn about someone's journey. For people of faith, especially Catholics, our life experiences provide others with the encouragement to carry on. This is often referred to as intercession. Sometimes we find examples in the saints who once lived on this earth and face similar challenges that we encounter. Quite often we find other examples, that of the living saints who are around us and guide us on our journey. On today's show, my dear friend and fellow advocate, John Schlimm, is going to talk about his new book, Five Years in Heaven, which is about his journey and relationship with his own personal saint, Sister Augustine i'd like to welcome back to the show john schlimm
1: hey june it is so great to always be with you and your listeners out there
0: always great to be with you i almost feel like we're in mass (laughs) Um, (laughs) john for listeners that are not familiar with your work could you take a moment to share a little bit about yourself as well as your your other books that you've written
1: Well, I think most of your listeners will remember me and know me from the vegan cookbooks that I've written in the last few years, starting with the Tipsy Vegan and Grilling Vegan Style, The Cheesy Vegan, and then last year, The Ultimate Beer Lover's Happy Hour, because you've been so gracious to have me on to talk about each of them, as well as the work that we do with animals. So that's what I've been most known for in the last few years. Uh, But then I decided to uh, take a break from writing cookbooks for a while and to share a story that uh, has been percolating in my head for a while. And, uh, you know, the time was right to tell this story about a five-year friendship I had when I was 31 with an 87-year-old Benedictine nun named Sister Augustine who ran the ceramic shop on the grounds of a 150-year-old Benedictine convent, actually the oldest Benedictine convent in the United States, right here in my hometown. And I had the privilege of uh, sharing hundreds of conversations with her over those five years about everything you can imagine, and I know we're going to talk about a lot of that kind of stuff. And it has taken me the last seven years to get to a point where I knew it was the right time to tell this story. And so I'm so excited to share my book, Five Years in Heaven, with readers across the globe now.
0: Thank you. John, like me, you grew up in a small town where our, quote, seeds, as far as faith, are planted, but sometimes are not harvested until we're adults. When you look back at your journey, how have you evolved
1: Well, I was very fortunate. I went through 12 years of Catholic education, and then I even did undergrad at a Catholic university in Arlington, Virginia, and I had two really great uh, parents who are very committed to, to the faith. You know, my mother still to this day, every night says about an hour of prayers and novenas and a rosary. Uh, I think she has St. Teresa on speed dial uh, because she will make requests. And sure enough, the the red roses will come, which is a sign from St. Teresa. My dad growing up uh, and even to this day, every night, he gets on his knees before going to sleep and says his prayers. So I I come from a very faith driven family and I've had a lot of great role models right here at home. But You know, like so many others, I moved away from home, and during my 20s, I got to experience uh, the inner core of politics in Washington, and then I got to uh, really dive into the entertainment industry as a celebrity publicist in Nashville, but somewhere along the line, I feel like I lost a little bit of myself in all the smoke and mirrors that, as a publicist, I was partially responsible for spinning out there. So I decided to return home after I finished graduate school in Boston to my small hometown in search of a simpler path. And I get home, and all of a sudden I can't find the teaching job that I was hoping to find. I was working on my first national cookbook, which was the Ultimate Beer Lover's Cookbook. I come from one of the oldest brewing families in the country, but no publisher wanted to take it on. So rejection letter after rejection letter came in. And I started to wonder, had I made the right decision coming back here? And, again, this is a universal story with all of us in our lives. We all reach these crucial crossroads, and that's when one afternoon in uh, late winter – It was a dark, snowy afternoon. A friend took me to the ceramic shop at the convent, which I didn't even know existed. Even though I grew up here my entire life and went to school right next door to the convent, I never knew that tucked away in a corner was a ceramic shop that Sister Augustine had started in the 1960s. But sure enough, I was led there when I most needed uh, that friendship and most needed to, to meet Sister Augustine. And that's where the story picks up. That's where it begins in Five Years in Heaven.
0: Actually, the story begins on February 21st. Yes. <laughs> when you think of the 21st of February, what does that mean to you? How does that make your heart feel?
1: It just makes my heart. And like I write in the book, every time a new year begins and I get my new calendar, I still use a paper calendar. I always go right to that date and put a little star on it, just like you would a favorite destination on a map, because it's such a special time. And I'm so grateful that I remember the day when we first met, because I think it's so rare that we remember those days when we meet people who will change our lives forever. But sure enough, on that cold, dark uh, winter's day, she w- was a light to me, and she has continued to be so uh, right up until today.
0: You wrote, I felt an instant connection with the old woman, as if we always had known each other. I would soon learn that one of the beauties of true friendship, Colin, the feeling of always. I thought that was just absolutely beautiful. You don't really think about that, the feeling of
1: always. Well, there's something so comfortable when you meet someone like that. And I I really hope one of the things that readers will get out of this book is that these people come in and out of all of our lives. And sometimes... We're so crazy busy that we don't recognize that a special person like that is standing right in front of us. And so I hope people will be more mindful of those individuals who come in and out of their lives. But I still remember the first time I saw her standing in the doorway, she was backlit by her studio behind her. She was barely over five feet tall, slightly hunched over. She was in full habit, head to toe. The only deviation was a bib apron that she had on smeared with paint because she was an artist, of course. She had the most infectious chuckle, uh, a twinkle in her eyes that from the moment I saw it, I knew I would never forget. And she had the voice of a grandmother. And the first thing she said was, welcome. And I instantly knew that I had found my way to where I was meant to be.
0: You also write about how she communicated when she prayed. In one particular situation, she said a prayer to St. Francis and referred to him by name. That was so incredibly powerful because this woman had such strong faith and she clearly had the relationship that many people desire with with St. Francis, for example. And it was so personal that she could actually refer to him as though he were still alive on this earth. And she truly had that connection. How did that make you feel, just witnessing that?
1: Well, and and what you're talking about, which was so great, the first time I was in her kiln room with her, and she uh, filled the kiln with her bisque ware. But before she closed the kiln, she sprinkled a little bit of holy water in, and she said, Francis, please help take care of these pieces while they're in here. And I I gave her a, a funny look, and she said, She clarified St. Francis, and she said he's one of my favorite saints, and I always ask him to take extra good care of these pieces while they're in there. She adored St. Francis, which really inspired me to read more about him, study up on him, and uh, I, I understood why she loved him so much in so many ways, but especially for his humility. And it made me actually better understand her, even all these years later, because she was as close to pure humility as you're going to meet here on Earth. And so I understood why the two of them were a, a good good connection there.
0: Well, she also connected you that much deeper to St. Francis, especially since you're such a well-known animal advocate. Yes. Um, St. Francis is someone who personally is extremely important in my life. And all I thought to myself was, wow, to meet somebody who has that close of a relationship with St. Francis, I was just blown away by that. It was just such a beautiful, just a beautiful way to make her memory something that could be shared with generations to come.
1: Yes, and her favorite pieces to paint were animals and birds. So I have to think that St. Francis had a little something to do with that, and it was one more connection between them. And and certainly, you know, you and I as uh, animal activists, St. Francis is important because he so loved animals. And, you know, if your listeners have not read his Sermon to the Birds, yeah, it's a very short little speech, but it's so powerful and so beautiful. And I write a little bit about it in the book, but I I would encourage everyone out there to just look it up online, St. Francis's sermon to the birds. And it's it, I think it will express so much about how we feel about animals. And you know, one of his the, my favorite lines in it uh, is many are the bonds that unite us. And I I think that's such a powerful line because Sister really taught me how interconnected we all are, not only with our fellow human beings, but with all of the animals on the earth and with the earth itself. So I, even though I was not vegan at the time when I was friends with her, I definitely think that the work I'm doing now as an animal activist and uh, you know as someone who's promoting a healthy plant-based lifestyle... I think those seeds were planted and watered during those five years.
0: I think the seeds were planted actually when you were a child, just like me. And as you went through your own journey, going working in Nashville, working for the White House, just all the different things that you've done, it really helped pave that journey and make that path a more profound Um I just thought that, wow, this is just amazing that now you have this nun that is a living teacher that can help you connect the dots. And speaking of dots, I don't want to ruin it for the readers, but there's one section in the book where you talk about how strong and powerful one dot can be. Could you, without giving away the whole lesson to the readers, could you just share a little bit about the strength of? the strength and power of simplicity.
1: This came during an afternoon when she was working on a teacup that I had asked her to make. And she had this wonderful and very simple motif that she would use that was of a forget-me-not. And we were talking about how complicated and chaotic the world has become. And I was asking her, how can we, change that within ourselves, and she lifted up the, the teacup, which here it is, and as I write, I could envision it years later with chips and tea stained, and here it is with the chips and tea stained, but she pointed to a dot, just one dot, because her forget-me-nots were five uh, blue dots and a yellow dot in the middle, and she pointed and she said, look at that dot, that dot is really powerful because that dot can be a decimal point that's the difference between one dollar and a million dollars. It could be a star in the sky. If you were looking down from the heavens, that dot moving across the earth is you and me. She said simplicity is definitely something we should not overthink. She had a great wit about her and that line made me chuckle because it's so true. We so often overthink simplicity and feel like we need to read all of these self-help books and go to drastic measures when really simplicity is as simple as taking a deep breath and realizing that simplicity begins with each one of us. And uh, that was a powerful visit for me and something that I carry with me every single day, and especially when I'm enjoying my green tea out of Sister's Cup. (laughs)
0: I thought it was just absolutely beautiful and symbolism is something that I found throughout the entire book. I think for people who have an elevated consciousness and understand the value that less is more, simplicity can truly be fulfilling and you are truly a gifted writer. The, the, the descriptions that you share with the readers I thought were just wonderful and I don't think that – Someone who doesn't have that that connection with their faith it, it's it's almost uh, a shame for people that don't have that that relationship or aren't quite there and I hope that people that um, are kind of at the beginning of their journey or are not even on their journey at some point will read it with a fresh pair of eyes and look for all the the all the symbolism uh, Excuse me. I hope that all the people that are there, mm-hmm. but let me say that again, pause. I hope that for people who don't have that connection with their faith, at some point, will read the book and look for all the symbolism in that book. So I think, especially for young readers, there's a lot there. And who knows, maybe in years to come, when you're long gone, students <laughs> in classrooms. All of the world will be looking at all the great symbolism that you've incorporated in Five Years in Heaven. Well, that
1: really means a lot to me because I set out to write this book in a way that the reader, no matter who you are or where you are, you can be 20 years old, 50 years old, 90 years old. The questions that I pose to Sister are universal questions that we all have at one point or another throughout our lives. And so I want the the reader to pull up a chair to the table with us and really pull out their own meanings and inspirations that apply to their life, because I think that uh, in the, the five years, in the stories I share, with readers, readers will all find a bit of themselves in this story, as I think you have. And I, and I thank you so much for all of the kind things you've said, because you've let me know that I hit the mark on so many levels in the way that I wanted to. And I really uh, wanted to share a story that would outlive me, that, uh, you know, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, people will still be able to pick it up, and it will still have some meaning to them, long after I have also passed this way.
0: John, could you explain to our listeners why you selected the title Five Years in Heaven? Because I think some people that don't understand your, your journey, your faith, and your devotion might not appreciate why you made this particular selection.
1: Well, it it definitely is not a near-death experience, which some people have thought, Uh, though I have to wonder, if someone did die and go to heaven for five years, they probably would have heard about it before now, and the beauty is we don't have to go to, you know, that measure to enjoy the, the grace and wisdom shared in this book. What I really am referring to with the title Five Years in Heaven is how each one of us can glimpse heaven right here on earth. And so often when we're growing up or when we uh, learn about heaven from somewhere, we, we think of it as this beautiful, peaceful place with colors and harmony and all those answers that we just can't seem to find here on earth. Well, Sister Augustine gave all of that to me within the those simple walls of her ceramic shop and studio. There were the bright colors and there was the peace and perhaps most importantly, there were the answers. And so she showed me that glimpse of heaven on earth, which I am so excited to get to share with readers, but also to remind them that in their everyday lives, they can look around and I bet they're going to glimpse heaven on earth as well. Thank
0: you. John, John, one thing that I'd like to ask before you, before we end this interview, what was the biggest lesson Sister Augustine taught you?
1: One time when we were making little crosses from leftover clay in her studio, she never wasted anything, which was so great. Mm-hmm. She didn't waste paint. She didn't waste clay. So she would save the clay, and when she had enough, she'd make these beautiful little crosses. And so one afternoon I was helping her make them, And I turned to her and I said, sister, what is the most important lesson you have learned in your lifetime? And I think she was into her 90s by this point. And I knew I had lobbed a a biggie in my friend's direction. She sat down and she thought for a moment and then she said a single word, forgiveness. And that turned into a really fantastic, enlightening conversation for me, about the power of forgiveness in our everyday lives, and she really opened my eyes and my mind to the idea that so often we withhold forgiveness because we feel if we are giving forgiveness to the person who hurt us, we're letting them off the hook, and she said that's not true. Sure, forgiveness is an act of love and compassion that we give to the person who hurt us, but it's an even greater gift of love and compassion and freedom that we give to ourselves and that only we can give to ourselves so that we might move on from whatever that hurt was. And I really appreciate that lesson. And I think, again, readers, as well as myself, and I'm sure you, every single day, we're given the opportunity in big ways and small ways to offer forgiveness to others. And I, I always try to do my best. It's not always easy, and she said it wouldn't be. She said if forgiveness were something that was super easy, it wouldn't be worth much, would it? So you kind of have to work at it, especially for the uh, uh, you know the most intense things that happened to us. But still, when you get to that point where you can sincerely forgive someone, it is one of the most amazing things freedoms and feelings I've ever felt in my life. And that actually, that conversation formed the basis for a chapter in the book called Tiny Crosses, which I'm very excited for readers to check out.
0: John, thank you so much for not only writing this book, but for just everything that you've done. I think that your life has been such a powerful example of how you can be attracted to all the different things that are going on in the world. But yet the bottom line is you've returned to a life that is more simple and in that it's so rich and there's, you have so much to offer and I sincerely encourage you to continue this journey and write more books to encourage and uplift other people. Because I think, especially at this point in time, We need people like you. We need people like you to meet with people like Sister as well as other people that are out there that often go unnoticed but are truly living intercessors.
1: Well, I really appreciate you saying that. It means a lot to me. And I I thank you for everything that you have done and, you know, one of the most powerful lessons Sister taught me was the, uh, the strength that comes in a, in a simple smile. And I know that you always have a smile on your face. And I try to always have a smile on my face. And, uh, you know, if we can just smile at a stranger passing on the street, uh, that that creates a a tidal wave that really does help to change the world. So I I will leave you and your viewers with a big smile on my face. And I just thank them all and, and can't wait for them to check out Five Years in Heaven and meet Sister Augustine and have her as a dear friend as well.
0: Thank you. And folks, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon, everyone.